Hello and welcome to our new series of Unlocking the Future, EU Industry Days podcast, presenting insights, trends and challenges, but also the fresh opportunities emerging from Europe's industrial transformation. We've got an extra special topic lined up for you today. In this roundtable episode, we ask our guests how they think universities can bridge the gap between students and the job market to promote entrepreneurship, social mobility and youth employment. Universities, as we know, are vital in shaping the next generation of skilled workers and entrepreneurs that Europe needs. As a platform for ideas, they drive innovation and positive change. They educate, but also prepare young people for the job market through initiatives like hackathons, career and networking sessions, sponsorships and internship programs. But with high graduate unemployment rates and complex conditions, especially under COVID, they have their work cut out. Luckily, we have today a panel of people who can shed some light on how universities can seize opportunities that are emerging from the green and digital transformations. We have joining us today Nicola Doppio, the Innovation Officer at Hub Innovazione, Cristina Dimova, the Bachelor student at Sofia University, who won the SME Assembly 2021 Youth Essay Competition, and Kunda Boschia, founder and academic coordinator of the Do Centre for Student Entrepreneurship at the University of Ghent. Thank you all very much for joining us today. Before we get into the topic, tell me each of you a little bit about the work you're currently doing. Nicola, let me start with you. Tell us about your job. Hello, uh, good morning, everyone, or good evening, depending on the time that you are listening to this podcast. So this is Nicola Doppio from HAT, Habinovazione Trentino. Uh, we're based in northern Italy, uh, Trento, and um, I work as an um, uh, innovation officer. Uh, so what we do is to support the University of Trento in getting engaged with uh, uh, companies uh, to make the best of their research results, so we act as intermediary. And amongst the tools that we use to support knowledge and technology transfer, we use uh, uh, open innovation challenges. So that's my role to manage open innovation challenges at HAT. Uh, Christina, you're a student, so I guess we understand what you're doing, but tell us about what you're studying, what motivated you to enter the competition, and what would you like to be doing next? Uh, thank you for having me here. Um, yes, I'm a student, but moreover, I'm also working. Currently, I'm studying journalism, uh, and I'm pursuing a career in the communication field, uh, and I'm working in Nine Academy, which is uh, entrepreneurship uh, in Bulgaria for uh, people between the age of uh, 20 and 40 mostly, but not only. And it uh, actually shows me how the business system can change and how important is non-formal education about the contest. Actually, my, my motivation was kind of the same as working in Nine Academy to see how, um, how the business ecosystem can change and to pursue um, finding innovating uh, ideas and um, and ways to, to give young people a chance to, to pursue a career in the business field. And last but not least, Kuhn, tell us about the DO Centre. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the invitation. Um, well, my name is Kuhn de Posser. I'm a professor at Ghent University. Um, and 10 years ago, I decided to make computing, uh, our computing program, cooler by um, encouraging the students to make projects and try to sell the projects, to, to become small entrepreneurs with small project uh, software products that they made. 
And in the meantime, this has grown to a complete center of the university. And now we're working for all the students of the university. We have 40,000 students. And we generate something between 100 and 150 new companies per year. So these are students uh, running, starting their own company while they're still being a student. And in the Do Center, uh, we support these students uh, with their um, entrepreneurial uh, ambitions. Thank you very much. That's uh, giving us a, a great starting point. So youth and graduate unemployment rates are stubbornly high in Europe. For young people struggling to break into the job market, it's a catch-22. As I'm sure Christina will tell us, they just need a chance to prove themselves, yet the companies say that they want experience. So, Christina, tell us what's your experience. And you're watching on social media, so you know what other young people are experiencing. Does this ring a bell with you, and how do your prospects look? Well, actually, yes, the problem here is with experience. Uh, companies want from young people, but not only, uh, because I think the problem is uh, of also between the correlation of universities and the job market as well. I think that universities should um, digitalize, uh, should pursue digitalization uh, because this is what companies are doing right now, and a lot of the internships I see for young people are in the digital fields such as marketing. And moreover, uh, these are fields that the universities are not that much of, uh, do not have that much of an interest in. And I think that social media actually can help uh, to, to connect the dots between universities and the job market, uh, because if universities uh, see how important it is to have presence there, the business might actually want to, to position themselves in the social media of the universities and to, to find uh, dividends uh, in both sides. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, universities have uh, have stayed long enough in the past uh, in the books. I don't think that books are bad things, but I think that there are a lot of a lot of good things to find in the digital sphere as well. And um, universities should uh, pursue future in order to to make their students stay there. Nicola, let me ask you a question that sort of cuts across all these segments and these discussions that we're having. What is the role of universities in the 21st century job market? Okay, so I think the, well, first of all, I don't work at the university myself, but we work in uh, a technology transfer agency that uh, works with the university here in Trento. Uh, but I think that uh, um, in the 21st century, the university should not only uh, teach students, but should help students in making their first steps towards uh, uh, entering the market, the labor market, I mean. And, uh, and maybe the university is not ready to do so. What it means is that the university needs to create uh, uh, more skills internally to build capacity to launch new initiatives, uh, so not only uh, teaching programs, but uh, for instance, uh, you know, open innovation challenges and contests as uh, what uh, we do in Trento uh, to give the opportunity to the students to uh, experiencing something that goes beyond, uh, beyond learning, meaning uh, to interact with uh, companies starting from problems presented by companies and to support problem solving processes. Uh, in a way that, uh, um, you know, not only students can learn to put in practice what they are uh, learning uh, during the courses, but also to support students in really starting collaborating with companies on a problem basis, uh, uh, start acting within uh, uh, projects, uh, collaborating with companies 
in a way that uh, you know when they get to prepare their own uh, um, uh, you know bachelor or especially master thesis they can do that on a specific problem and uh, you know the honor of that problem could be a company uh, very much eager to uh, hire that student once he or she uh, will be graduated so that's my take on that now there is an old expression that says someone might have a nose for business and this implies that some people are just innately good at entrepreneurship and they have innovation in their DNA. But the question is whether or not these things can be taught or can be stimulated through learning experiences. Kuhn, as the coordinator at the Centre for Entrepreneurship at Ghent, give us some insights into how that centre supports young people who have business ideas but really also need to help develop that and help develop their skills in certain areas okay thank you um well it's not automatic i would say so from studies it's uh, it's clear that if you ask a small kid, uh, primary school whether they want to have their own business they say yes secondary school at the end of the secondary school they all want to become or somewhere want to become a, a teacher in secondary school and when they arrive at university, many might still be interested in entrepreneurship. But by the time they graduate, they want to become a professor, which is, of course, not um, not the purpose of a university education. Uh, so what we want to do is actually to make sure that the entrepreneurial um, attitude, or maybe not the attitude, but the ambition that they have when they enter university, that we don't lose this, and, and we try to keep that um, active until the time when they graduate. And what we also know is the best way to become an entrepreneur is to try, not to teach about it, but to really give them an entrepreneurial experience. And so how do we do this? We, we try to integrate in every um, curriculum, in every uh, program, uh, one course where the students can, at least one course where the students can do a project uh, together with companies, maybe work on their own ideas in groups, maybe involve some uh, students from other disciplines, or also some kind of interdisciplinary projects. And then when the course, that project course ends, they have some kind of maybe a prototype, an idea, maybe they have a business plan. And the ones that want to continue, then they can come to our Pro, um, center and in the center we have business coaches and these business coaches will bring that idea to the next level if it's a good idea and then by the time they graduate in some cases not all of them but i would say one out of three has created his or her own job because they just start uh, with their company um, so that's what we're doing and we have well we celebrate actually uh, celebrated last week the first unicorn which is a company of one um, billion dollar market value uh, by students that started uh, 15 years and graduated 15 years ago. So it is possible. That's fantastic. It's very much a learning by doing. And Nicola, let me ask the flip side from your perspective. What do the actual businesses gain from, from students with this sort of entrepreneurial outlook? And, and what way can industry benefit from uh, interaction with these sorts of students? Yeah, that's a great question because they have a lot to gain. And normally when we speak about these kind of programs, such as these uh, open innovation challenges uh, uh, that connect students with companies, people think that the impacts... Uh, are only for students, but that's not the case. And, uh, you know, the way that we organize these open innovation companies in Trento uh, makes it possible for companies participating as the so-called seekers, meaning, you know, those that seek for a innovation or a solution to a problem, to really start acting on a potential uh, solution of that problem, along with the students. 
Um, one of the key aspects uh, for making this happen is that the IPR, so the intellectual property right of the results that are developed within these open innovation challenges uh, in Trento are owned by the companies. And on the other side, of course, we give you know, incentives and prizes to the students who, of course, act as solvers, organized in teams, most of times multidisciplinary teams. So the fact that the companies own the results makes uh, it possible for them to continue mat maturate on the results or maybe also industrializing the results with uh, other people that are involved uh, in, the, in the challenges, meaning uh, what we call the mentors. They may be either, uh, you know, university professors or university researchers that supports the problem-solving process uh, uh, carried out by the teams of students, which could be master students most of the time, but also PhD students. Or they could also be uh, startups uh, with specific skills on a given technology, which is key on finding solutions to uh, those specific challenges that are uh, provided by the company. So basically, after only maybe two or three months, because these innovation contests that we organize are quite short-term planned, you know, the company has a prototype of a solution um, very much in line with the problem that they presented at the beginning. But also they are in touch with students. They could decide to hire, maybe not the whole team, but, you know, some of them, one or two of them. And also they are in touch with uh, uh, professional uh, technologists or researchers that have, uh, um, you know, in-depth skills of applying specific technologies to finding problems. To, to solutions, um, solutions to problems that the company, uh, the companies need to find. We have been running these innovation challenges starting uh, in 2017. We have supported up to 60 companies, and uh, you know we evaluated the satisfaction of companies right after the end of the challenge, and also uh, we asked them what are the follow-ups that they expect to um, uh, do uh, on the basis of the results. And more than 40% of the companies have completed some sort of follow-up on the results, meaning either they have uh, hired students or launched um, R&D uh, collaborations with researchers to uh, further uh, maturate the results, or they have found uh, some other partners in the market with whom industrializing the results of the challenge. Well, one of the benchmarks for EU education and training by 2020 was graduate employment of 82%. Now, unfortunately, the actual rate achieved by 2020 was a little bit below that. It was 78.7%. So there is room for improvement. Christina, where in your view, what needs to be prioritised? Is it something about skills? Is it practical training? Is it inclusion, you know, equality issues? Or is it something like labour laws and, and structural? Where do you see the biggest issue? Uh, for me, the main problem is the practical side of it because a lot of the young people do not see the practical results of their education due to the fact that the educational system is not that modernized in many of the European countries, especially in my own country, Bulgaria. Most of the universities do not present what a young person should, should have in order to work nowadays uh, in the dynamic world we live in. And many of the youth representatives are facing financial problems right now due to the crisis and they need to start working before educating themselves. And this is um, starting in a, this is starting a vicious cycle because we need money due to the fact that the prices are being higher than usual. And uh, we need 
career information and to understand what we actually want to do. Um, I think that companies actually do not see, and I think that universities also are not talking about, is that millennials and Generation Z main, um, main um, I don't know, um, um, difficulty they are facing in, in working in companies, no matter if they are big or not that big enough is that they are facing anxiety issues and depression and a lot of young people quit working in certain companies due to the fact that they are feeling, feeling burnout because of the system and because it doesn't work that okay with young people and their mindset. I think that the problem is uh, complex, but due to universities, that universities are living in the last century and I don't think that going to work out with young people. Well, that's quite a challenge there, Christina, that you're putting to us. Are universities living in the last century? Uh, Kuhn, let me ask you, what can universities do? I know lots of them are encouraging cross-fertilization with companies, innovation labs and hackathons and so forth. But what more can universities do so that people like Christina don't feel that they're being pushed into the last century? Well, first of all, I don't think all universities live in the last century. Um, uh, I think, and it has to do with policy. Uh, to give you one example, we started the entrepreneurial program uh, at Ghent University, and then we went to the Minister of Education and said, well, look what we are doing. Wouldn't it be nice to do this in every university, in every higher education uh, institution? And that changed the law. So in all bachelor and master programs, there is, there is um, also Europe has uh, rules, I think, uh, the Dublin descriptors, where so what have what do you have to teach and what the students have to learn at a different level in education, bachelor, master, and even PhD. And for the bachelor and master programs, they added one single sentence, and that was entrepreneurship. So now every uh, higher education institution in Belgium has the obligation to work on entrepreneurial skills and entrepreneurial attitude. So it's not more difficult than that. It's just adding one or two words to the law. And that changes everything because now universities are being evaluated because they are publicly funded. And in order to get their funds, they have to prove that they, they comply with all the regulations. So they have to implement it. So this is something that can be done quite easily, I think, at the policy level, at the political level. But of course, we have to convince our politicians that this is important and they should do this. Well, let's move on to, to what we can be doing at EU level. And what about EU initiatives to boost youth employment more generally? Nicola, not just inside the universities, what is needed? Is it things like the Erasmus Plus programme or the European Social Fund or Horizon Europe? What sort of things can we do across the continent? Yeah, thank you so much for the question. Uh, I like it very much. And uh, I think it's crucial that uh, uh, Europe will make it possible for not only universities but also you know regional ecosystems uh, as a whole to to make experiments because you know nobody you know read in any books how to set up a you know open innovation contest in our case we had to you know at least the way that we uh, reached it was to start experimenting starting from the needs that we had and also some drivers some capacities that we had uh, here in our region. So um, I think that uh, there should be more uh, funding and more projects uh, for not only universities, but also technology transfer um, players 
as well as the industry uh, players, such as uh, industry uh, representative associations, to team up and launch new experiments, uh, new initiatives supporting, you know, uh, the boost of entrepreneurial skills in students and also problem-solving skills in students, you know, the transversals, uh, so-called transversal skills, uh, to launch new initiatives, you know, new formats like innovation contests, hackathons, uh, you know, career fairs, because, uh, you know, uh, collecting and sharing good practices, best practices might not be enough for different reasons. You know, the same initiatives that can be done in Ghent might not work in Trento, you know, and the other way around. But especially, you know, you, you need partners to find their own way to achieve specific goals regionally. And to make that, they need to have, you know, some projects, some dedicated time and effort to, uh, to try, you know, to find ways. And I'm, I'm saying this because uh, uh, recently we have led I, uh, Horizons 2020 Inusup 6 project called the 200 SME Challenge. Uh, the goal uh, there was to uh, basically um, help other innovation uh, agencies to set up an open innovation contest that we had launched in Trento um, uh, previously. Um, and the ultimate uh, aim was to uh, uh, evaluate the impact of that innovation contest on companies. Uh, and that innovation contest is called UX Challenge. It's, it's an open innovation contest helping companies in improving the user experience of digital products and services, along with university students with a uh, HMI, human computer interaction, uh, human machine interface background. So we basically helped other six um, uh, players, similar to HAT, in other six countries. And altogether, we involved 200 SMEs, the companies that would take part in the UX challenge as seekers, as problem seekers, uh, would increase their capacity of utilizing those user-centered design methodologies that are, that are used within the UX challenge for finding solutions to the problem. They, they would increase their capacity to use those methods in real life after the completion of the challenge by 20%, okay? So that demonstrated that, you know, the UX challenge is uh, not only feasible in other countries, in other regions, but also impacts on, uh, on companies. And that was possible thanks to a Horizon 2020 funded project, okay? So I would say, uh, please do more of this. Thank you. Of course, there are no easy answers. But, Christina, as the one closest to this problem, I'm going to give the last word to you. What would you like to see happen in the future? What do you think could be the potential gains? What should our listeners take away with from this conversation? That, uh, yes, of course, all of the policies that we actually hear here are truly important, uh, as well as the uh, European initiatives for that because uh, me myself I have uh, I have tried my best in them and uh, I've seen that they can help me grow not only for you know, my professional growth but uh, for my personal as well. But universities should be a place for the youth to follow their dreams and not to burden them. So uh, for us, the young people, uh, to to be kept in higher education, uh, we must see that it's not only for for the for the diploma to get. It's uh, for uh, a better employment for us uh, to see uh, actual practical changes after we get our uh, diploma and we learn something really practical. And uh, universities must invest into the connection of innovation and digitalization. And we should make the academic system and um, the business system as well more human and more personal for young people, uh, respectively for students, and to give them purpose 
not only other topics to to stress about because stress is everywhere but inspiration is not so we really must inspire young people to to achieve greater things well thank you very much christina i think that's a great closing point for our podcast today thank you gentlemen as well and a courage for the future christina I think that's a good place to stop for today. I hope you, the audience, have enjoyed this episode of the Unlocking the Future podcast. Be sure to check out more in the series and feel free to like, share and show your appreciation for the topic and our speakers on social media. This podcast is an initiative of the European Commission and is part of EU Industry Days 2022, Europe's flagship annual event on industry, taking place in the week of the 7th to the 11th of February 2022. For more information on the EU Industry Days, please visit the website online. This podcast was produced by VO with the financial support of the European Union. Its contents do not necessarily reflect the views of the European Commission. Thank you.